Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. Sorry, I got a little uh, tangled up there with the, with the guitar. And so, um, but welcome. Glad that you're a part of uh, our church today. And as we sing to the King, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of Jesus, but uh, one, of the, one of the visions when I talk about singing to the King is when he comes back, as you see in, in the book of Revelation, he comes back on a white horse, an all-powerful conquering King. That's the King that I worship. And so that's who we're worshiping this morning is King Jesus. And so, uh, like I said, I'm glad that you're here this morning. If you're some of our home folks, pay attention to the bulletin. There's a lot of good things in there that you need to know about. And uh, if you're some of our guests, we are so thankful that you have uh, decided to join with us this morning. We, we really are glad that you're here. We'd love for you to fill out a, a, por a portion of the bulletin, place in the offering place, where we can know who you are. We can know how to minister to you. We'd love to, to meet you. Uh, and, and get to know you as well. Right now, we're going to take this time just to greet one another and uh, let, it, let each other know that you're glad that you can worship with them and worship the King this morning.
school if you missed it we talked about we talked about worship and we talked about actually the lyrics of the song which I can't take credit for piecing together because that just happened I didn't I didn't pick it but we really talked about what it means to uh, just behold God and just to uh, just to be in his presence and what that might be like and what we might say and um, what we might not say uh, but let's just worship together this morning
pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day you've given us to, um, to come here and worship you and learn more about you. Lord, please bless these tithes and offerings to further your kingdom.
it extra? All right, what else? What else did you buy? Cotton candy machine maker? Okay, what else? Popcorn machine? What else? You can buy chips. Yeah, there's lots of stuff you can buy. No, $10 doesn't get you very far, but you can buy, you can still buy stuff with it. Okay, well, how about It's all crumpled up and wrinkled. What? Uncrumple it? Well, how much is it worth now? Yeah, it's still worth ten dollars, right? Even though it was crumpled up. Well, all right, here we go. We crumple it up, throw it on the ground, scrumple it a couple of times. Let's go rub it in the mud. How about now? You still want it? Yeah, you do. Why? How much is it worth? You want to buy something? Well, how much is it worth? Ten dollars. That's right. But you could still. You might not be able to put it into a vending machine to get a coke out, but it's still worth ten dollars. Okay. This is kind of like how we are. Right. When we were first made, we were made crisp and clean, sinless. But then, sorry, we started sinning. Okay. When we start sinning, it makes our lives look all crumpled up. Sometimes we go through the mud and get dirty and get trashed. But how much are we still worth to God? We're worth more than $10. (laughs) But we're still worth whatever it was when we were brand new. That's how much we're still worth to God. No matter what we've gone through. Okay? Because God sent his son down, even though we were still sinners, to die on the cross to save us from our sins. Ten dollars, even though it was crumpled up, it was stomped on, it was ran through the mud. It's still worth ten dollars. Just like in our lives, when we sin, when we do wrong, we're still worth everything we were when we first started to God. All right? Let's pray together. Dad, we Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for for being here, for sending your Son down here. That no matter what we've done, that you came down to wash those sins away from us. As long as we believe that, Lord, that we're still worth to you. They fail not as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided.
presence to cheer and to guide today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand beside great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness new mercies i see remain standing and turn to the book of Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 beginning in verse 38. Acts 13, 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you, and everyone who believes in him is justified from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. So, beware that what is said in the prophets does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, marvel and, and vanish away, because I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you will never believe, even if someone were to explain it to you. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that uh, you speak now through your word. May your Holy Spirit have a way in our hearts. You speak and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Man, another just great music this morning from our, our folks that lead us in, in that as, as we worship and uh, some, a, great, a great hymn that the choir sang and, and uh, Rebecca is uh, uh, just, a, just, that was just a, good, uh, a good time. I, I like those, those, those older hymns that have been part of the faith for I want to say several thousand years, a couple of them that we sang this morning. I uh, don't know that's true, but uh, it's been, been around for quite a long time. Um, but as we, as we study this this morning, as I, as I look at this passage, we're going we're gonna to finish up chapter 13 this morning. But I couldn't help but stop and, and think, now what is, what is Paul saying here? As he's talking to these Jewish folks and uh, that, that are that have come out against him. He's, he's proclaiming this message. And last week, last week what we looked at was that he and Barnabas were commissioned to go out and carry the message, carry the message to the, the, the greater Mediterranean world here. And they were sent out from the church at Antioch. And so they go on to Cyprus and they get to uh, Antioch and, and uh, uh, Poseidia. And they share this message. And you can read this sermon that that Paul has proclaimed I didn't read it read it to you this morning but he basically talks about Jesus again because he's he's telling the Old Testament story because he's talking to a, a bunch of Jewish folks and so he's re, he's recounting God's faithfulness in the in the history of the Jewish nation and then he gets to this part about King David and he says King David is a great king you know God anointed king that comes but here's here's the deal King David died and and, and his body rotted in the grave he said, but there's another king, and this is the man Jesus that I want to tell you about. And his body was in the grave, but it, but it didn't rot because he's not, still, he's, he's not there. He's, he's risen from the dead, and he's proclaiming Jesus to this Jewish group of, of folks here. And then he gets down to this, and he, and he shares this passage that comes from the book of Habakkuk. Now, if you are still with us in our reading plan, you know, just a few weeks ago, we read through this, the, the book of Habakkuk. It seems like an obscure text. I don't know how many sermons I've ever heard on the book of Habakkuk. I have heard one song, however, one song that I know of that had mentioned Habakkuk. And uh, so I, I can tell you about that sometime later, but it, it compared Habakkuk to uh, Moses and also to uh, Paul and Silas as they're in the prison. Uh, that doesn't really have anything to do with the sermon, but Habakkuk. So why does he quote Habakkuk here near the end of this sermon as he's getting ready to really offer up an invitation to these Jewish believers and he goes back and looks at Habakkuk 
Well, he, he does quote there, and, and if you want to turn, if you want to turn to Habakkuk, I'll give you a little bit of time to find it. Uh, it's 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 one of the one of the minor prophets. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he says, Look, you scoffers, marvel and vanish away because I'm doing a work in your days. Now, where it says I'm doing a work in your days, there's a a verb here, and this this verb is the it's it's a present tense verb. I tell you that because he's saying this is an action that's already in process. And that's going to be important for us a little bit later. There's an action that's already in process. It's, it's a state of being that really doesn't have any, any time frame on this action's completion. So it's, it's already taking place, but there's, it's uncertain about when it will be complete. And so the Lord is saying, look around. I'm already at work. Habakkuk was complaining about the... Uh, uh, about the current situation of, of, of the Israelites and, and how they uh, nothing was going right for them. And, and God said, calm down. I'm already at work. That, that's essentially what he's saying. God is already at work. This is what Peter is saying here as he's proclaiming this message to the Jews. He says, God's already at work. Just like he told Habakkuk, he was already at work. God's already at work right now. Fast forward a couple thousand years for us, we take comfort in knowing God is at work. Whether we see it or recognize it or not, or, or, or not, God is doing a great work. But then he goes on to say, as he continues to quote from Habakkuk, says, and even if I tell you what's happening, you're not going to believe it. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to do something that if somebody were to just tell you, you, you wouldn't believe it. You won't believe what we're going to do. Now, in the story of Habakkuk, it was that he was going to get another empire, a very evil empire, to come and rule over Israel. And uh, the, the, the Babylonians were going to come and conquer things and really set them, set them back. So it was, it was a punishment of, of correction to put them back, to, hopefully to draw them back to the Lord. Sometimes that happens to us. We're, we're so far from the Lord that we need a swift kick in the pants to get back on the right track. And so this is what he's saying here. What I'm going to do and what I'm already doing, when you see it, you're not going to believe it. God's going to do something that you can't fathom. Now listen, what I understand that to mean is God doesn't always work in the way I think he ought to. God doesn't always work in the way I expect him to. God is sovereign and, and he's at work and I don't always see it. I don't always understand how he's moving and how he's working, but I take comfort in knowing that God's ways are greater than my ways. And I take comfort in knowing that God's ways are greater than your ways. You know, there, there, there are many people that they love to, to worship a God. They, they want to recognize that God is bigger and he's, he's stronger. He's more powerful than, than we are. And he can perform great miracles. He can do things that we can't. But we, but we would like for God's wisdom to fall up under our wisdom. We don't want him to be wiser than we are because we want to understand all of his ways and how he moves and works. But the truth is God is so much, his ways and his methods and, and his thoughts and, and his wisdom is so far beyond ours that there are times that we just have to say, I don't understand it, God, but I have to trust you. And that sounds real easy on the surface, but when those days get really tough, that's a hard pill to swallow. I don't understand why this is happening to me or my family or my loved ones. But God, I have to trust that your ways are greater than my ways. That's a biblical truth that you can apply to your life. And you can, and you can trust in the Lord that, that he's at work and he's moving. Now what's about to take place here is we're going to see that this prophecy that, that was told in Habakkuk, well, it had an immediate, it, it had immediate consequence and awareness right here. But we're going to see that it's applied in the New Testament as well. Let me keep reading for you. Verse, verse 42. As they were leaving, the people begged that these matters be presented to them the following Sabbath. After the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking with them and persuading them to, to continue in the grace of God. The following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the message of the Lord. 
But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose Paul. Uh, it began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting him. So you see, he, he proclaimed this. There's a, there's a great thing coming. You remember, you remember, this, remember the story of Habakkuk? He said, God's at, God's at work. He's going to do something. And if I told you what, what it was, you wouldn't even believe it. But, but you guys remember what happened because we can read. We can go get the scroll and we can read the story of, of Habakkuk and we can see what God did there. He said, I, I'm, I'm telling you, God's at work and he's doing something great here. And if, and if I were to tell you what's going to happen, you wouldn't even believe it. Well, man, talk about a cliffhanger. It's like, it's like the end of the season and you're watching your favorite show and they leave you in suspense about what's going on. You can't wait for the new show to come up. Well, that's what's happened here with the Jews. They, they start following him around. They want to know what he's saying. And it says in verse 44, the following Sabbath, almost the whole town is assembled. What are you talking about? I know you said if you told us we wouldn't believe you. Try us. Just tell us. <laughs> what, what's going on here? And then in verse 46, we see a, a major turning point, a major shift, not only in the life of Paul, but really a major turning point in the book of Acts. But not only in the book of Acts, we see a major turning point in the history of the world. This is, a, this, this is, this is pretty revolutionary. As we continue on through the book of Acts, you'll, you'll see what I mean. But this is a pretty significant turning point, really, in the history of the world what Paul's about to share right here. Verse 46. And Paul and Barnabas boldly said, it was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring forth salvation to the ends of the earth. A major shift is taking place here. Look at verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, <clears throat> they rejoiced and glorified the message of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. So the message of the Lord spread through the whole region. It's a major turning point. Major turning point here. You know what? We proclaim the message to you first, Jewish people, but because you won't believe, now we're going to turn and we're going to focus on the Gentiles. After all, this is what God has called us to do. Carry the message to the Gentiles to the ends of the earth, for the salvation of the whole earth. Now what's said right here is some of the scariest words, I believe, in all of the Bible. Since you rejected and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, you reject it, by doing so, you're saying you're unworthy of eternal life. What a sad statement to proclaim about anybody. That's what Paul has said here. But when you think about it, when you think about it, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't stop there. By the way, Paul writes a lot of other things that were recorded for us in the New Testament. One of those is a letter to the church in Rome. And if you turn to Romans chapter 1, you'll see a very similar statement being made about, about people who reject the truth, who reject the truth of God. Verse 18 says, Romans 1.18, for, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And he goes on and he talks about how we can know God just from his revealed just, just as he re reveals his glory in the world, in nature. And it says that they have they've gone through and they have rejected God, and, and it's, it's a downward spiral. In verse 24 it says, Therefore God delivered them over in the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. Verse 26, This is why God delivered them over to degrading passions. You see, there, there comes a point in time in which we reject God and, and he allows us to feel the gravity of our sin. This is the path you're choosing. I turn you over to those sinful natures. I turn you over to those sinful passions that you have. 
It's a real similar thought that he gives to the Jewish people here. Since you have rejected this and you consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. That's what Paul is saying here. A major shift, really, in the history of the world. Now, what I've just read for you here is as Paul begins to turn and, and make a transition. Henry Blackaby, he, uh, I, just, just a great theologian, a great preacher, great author. I had the opportunity one time to sit in a room with about, it was about 15, maybe 20 of us, and, and he was our keynote speaker. And it was my, my pen, and I could not move my pen fast enough to keep up with like just wisdom just poured out of his mouth. I wish I could I wish I could remember everything he said. But if you've never studied any of his work, I, I would encourage you to. Probably his probably his his great his great work that he'll be remembered for is experiencing God. And maybe you've walked through that before. Maybe, maybe you haven't, but in experiencing God it says, find out where God is at work and join him there. If you want to be a believer that makes a difference, find out where God is at work and join him there. In other words, don't decide what you want to do and then ask God to bless it. Find out where he's already at work and join him in that and rest assured that it will be blessed because that's what God is already doing. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, in, in this study, Dr. Blackaby lists seven realities Seven realities. I know a couple of them are already on the screen, but number one, God is always at work around you. We, we've talked about that a little bit. You don't have to wonder if, if God's at work. He, he is. His mission to redeem the people of the world, God's already at work. I find this true so oftentimes whenever we go on a mission trip somewhere, we think that we're coming in on a, on a, on a great white horse and going to save the day. And the, the, the truth is, if we've been praying correctly and, and, and the Lord has been working in our hearts, then we've also been praying for the people we're going to minister to, and God's already at work there. And, and it's not like we can, it's not like we just bring God with us. God's already there. He's already at work. And, and, and so oftentimes that's the case. We're just, God just uses us as a vessel. He just uses us as a tool to communicate the gospel, to share the truth of Jesus Christ. But God's already at work. It's not like I initiate him and wake him up in the morning to get him busy and getting ready to go to work. God's already at work. Number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. We heard a great word Saturday morning at our men's ministry breakfast about just the idea that, you know, we can have a lot of knowledge about all kinds of things. We can, hear, we can have knowledge about, about how the world works. We can have knowledge about thermodynamics or how an internal combustion engine works. We can have knowledge about, about how the body is, is healed and we, we give medicine. We can have knowledge about all kinds of things. We can even have biblical knowledge, that is just factual knowledge about the Bible, but the truth is that the fear of the Lord, that knowledge of Him, not just knowledge about Him, but to know the Lord, not just know about the Lord, that's the key. That's, it. that's the key to your life, to having abundant life, is to know the Lord in a personal way. And He, he pursues you in that. Are you responding to that call? Have you ever responded to that call? Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. God pursues us in a personal way, real and personal way. Number three, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. How do we do that? I believe that we join the local church, and we work, and we minister through the local church. Are there ways to do that outside the church? Sure, sure. Our church can't do everything. But primarily, as we are believers, we join a local church, and we, we work, and we minister in that way. I know that the nominating team has been meeting to, to, to fill positions for this coming church year, and, and I hope you've prayed about that. If they've, they've approached you or uh, you, you know a place where you'd like to serve and, and minister, uh, that's the way we become involved in his work. We don't ask him necessarily to join our work, but it's his work that we join in with him. Number four, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances and the church to reveal himself his purposes and his ways how do i know what, what what god wants well he gives us the bible open up god's word and and see what it has to say if it's been a while since you've heard from the lord open up his word read it study it 
strive to understand what God's word is saying. But then also prayer and circumstances. And through the church, God reveals himself, certainly. But God is not contradictory. So if God is leading you to do something, but I can open up God's word and say, well, according to God's word, what he's asking you to do or what you're saying he's asking you to do is not in, not in compliance with God's word, then, then, then guess who's wrong? You and me, not, not God's word, because he, he doesn't contradict himself. And so we have to make sure that if we feel like the Lord is leading us in a certain way through prayer, through the Holy Spirit guiding us, maybe some other believers speaking into us, all those are good and wonderful things. But we need to come back to God's word to make sure that it's in agreement with his written word. Number five, God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief, listen to this, that requires faith and action. You know, God, God doesn't really call you to do little things for his name. I mean, I, let me back up. Sometimes God will call you to do things that you may think are small and insignificant. Okay, but at, but at some point, God's going to call you to do something that is going to cause you to have this crisis of belief. And, and you say, I really feel like God's calling me to do this. This really does align with his word and the teaching that I can see. I just don't know if I can do it. And you begin to feel like Moses. Moses standing for the burning burning bush there God's calling him to lead his people out to go face down Pharaoh the greatest army the greatest nation of that time and to go before him and Moses Moses saying Lord I is essentially this Lord I'm not the right person I don't think I can do it now if you notice this God never pats him on the back and says oh yes you can oh just believe in yourself you yeah you can do it he never says that he essentially says I know you can't but I'm gonna be with you and I can do anything through you if you'll just make yourself available to me. And it's the same word that he has for us. I don't know, Lord, if I can do that. You're right. <laughs> That's why I asked you to do it. Because you're going to need me working through you in order to accomplish this great thing. Number six. You must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. Sometimes we have to change things. <laughs> I just said the C word. I said change. I'm sorry. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we have to make adjustments in our life in order to, to most accomplish what God is calling us to do. Number seven, you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. There's nothing greater than being able to look back and say, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> God did a great work I'm so thankful and I love him more now than I did before God's real God can do amazing things in our life but we have to submit to his call we have to submit to his leading and, and guidance and listen if you don't remember anything else from this this morning listen to this just as Paul transitioned his ministry from Jews to Gentiles there are times that we should make changes in the nature of our ministry to best align ourselves with how God is moving. Sometimes we've got to make changes in our ministry. There was, a, there was a church that I volunteered and helped with their students some when I was in college. This church, Point South Church in, uh, in, in Riverdale. As Riverdale, as, as a community around Riverdale began to change, this church made a strategic decision to bring on some people on staff that would more reflect their neighborhood. And they eventually transitioned that church from Point South Church to now it's a thriving church in that neighborhood. The neighborhood has changed, but the, but the church that, that was established there, it goes by the name of Anointed Vision of Hope. But I think what a testimony to being flexible to understanding God's move and call and being able to change things so that you can reach the community where the church is planted. A similar thing is taking place right now in, in, in Tucker, Georgia, Rehoboth Baptist Church. At one time in the, in, in the 80s, a huge, vibrant church. The neighborhood began to change, and so they had some things that they had to, that, that they had some changes that needed to make. Right now, they're undergoing some changes. I've, I've talked with the, the pastor there. They're looking to see how they can best reach their community, and they're making strategic changes so they can reach their community. 
And they've had to make some hard changes in that regard. Our North American Mission Board has made changes lately. Our International Mission Board has made some changes so that we can best send the gospel around the world. Look, any organization, any organization must routinely evaluate their methodologies. Businesses do this. Businesses do this all the time. Chick-fil-A just got rid of the calendars. What are we going to do? It was the last calendar left. It wasn't on a phone. They make changes because they, they, they see opportunity to make things better. But they still serve chicken. Now they can just get that coleslaw back. But listen, just because it works at one church doesn't always mean it's going to work at another church. That's something I had learned the hard way the first time I went off to a, a, a youth ministries conference and I heard all these great things that all these churches were doing. I had three pages of notes. I was getting ready to come back, two guns blazing, make all these changes. Well, just because it worked in another church doesn't mean it works at our church. Just because it works in another ministry doesn't mean it's going to work in our ministry. But listen, even on a personal level, just because something works in someone else's life doesn't mean it's going to work in your life. I know that there are people who love to journal. That's the way that they... Uh, that's, that's the way that they study, and that's the way they, 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 they pray is they, they journal. I think it's a great thing, but not everybody's, a, not everybody's a writer, okay? But journaling may be your thing, but maybe maybe you need to spend time just, you know, however it is that, 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 that you need to spend time in God's Word, figure out what works best for you. Is it morning? Is it evening? Is it middle of the day? When you're most alert, you can most receive what God is speaking to you. Just because it works one place doesn't mean it works in another place. I'll never forget uh, a youth pastor was talking about, and, 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 and he just made up two characters. He said, there's a lot of stuff coming out of Saddleback Church in California right now, a great youth ministry over there. He said, but honestly, Saddleback Sam is trying to decide if his parents are going to get him a BMW or a Mercedes when he's 16, while Decatur Doug is trying to find two bucks to get on MARTA. It doesn't always work. That's what he said, and, and I, I, I've remembered that. So... We figure out how God is moving and we join him there rather than how he's, he's moved somewhere else and figure out if that's the same way that he's going to move here. We find where God is moving and join him in that. But listen, are you listening? We may change our methodologies, but we never, ever compromise our mission. We never compromise the mission. Paul changed his methodologies from the, from the Jewish folks to now his attention is on the Jews, but he always proclaimed the gospel. And we as a church, we must continue to make disciples. That's been our mission, that, that Jesus came, that, that Jesus died for us, and Jesus gave us this mission, go out and make disciples. We must do that. It may look a little different than it did last year. It may look a little different than it did 10 years ago, but we must make disciples. We must preach the gospel, and we must baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We must teach people to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. We must do that, even if we change the way that we accomplish it. And here's the danger in a church that doesn't consider its methodologies. When we don't listen to the Lord, when we instead seek our own agenda, we run the risk of missing out on his blessing. The Jews here, they were told, hmm, you reject it. Well, consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life. And I told you those are some of the scariest words in all of the Bible. But maybe, maybe Judges chapter 16 holds something even, even scarier. Remember what's happening in Judges 16? This is the story of Samson. Strong, strong man, and every time that the Philistines came upon him, he was so strong he could just throw them off like, they were, like, like it was nothing because he had the strength, not of his own, he had the strength of the Lord that would work through him. But he disobeyed his vows he made to the Lord. And this time when the, when the Philistines came upon him, if you, if you did turn in, in, in to Judges chapter 16, look at verse 20. Well, verse 19 says that Delilah actually shaved the hair off his head. So verse 20 says this. Then she screamed, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he, awoke from his, when he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. And then here it is. But he did not know that the Lord 
thought he was just going to go out and do the same thing he'd always done. But he didn't know that the presence and the power of the Lord had left him. And I pray that's never said about me. I pray that I don't do things to the degree that and, and again I'm not talking about salvation here, losing salvation but the blessing, the anointing, the power of the Lord to work through my life. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm just doing this on my own. What about Northside? What about Northside? Rest assured, this, this is a conversation deacons and elders and I have from time to time. We discuss some of these things. We look at them. What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses, our opportunities, our, our threats? You probably, you could probably fill in some of those blanks. And I just want you to know that your leadership has been trying to fill in those blanks as well. What do we need to do? How do we need to change or modify things in order to do this? To reach our community with the gospel. To make disciples of all nations. What about Northside? Well, what about you and me? Are you in the right place for God to use you? What are your spiritual gifts? We're going to talk about that tonight at 4 o'clock. There's a nice little plug. Love for you to come back and participate in that. You know, your spiritual gifts can change from time to time because they're given for the church. And if the church changes, then your spiritual gift might change because God uses you in that context. What is your calling? What is your calling? To follow Christ, certainly, but beyond that, what's God calling you to do? Keep looking at Acts 13, verse 51. But they shook the dust off their feet. This is Paul again. This is, this is uh, talking about Paul and his folks. But they shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Shake the dust off their feet. I don't know if you understand really what this means. I, it, it took me a little while because I thought, well, okay, I shook the dust off my feet. What does that mean? In the first century and, and for years before that as well, whenever Jewish people would visit a Gentile region, they come back home, they don't want to bring that Gentile dust and dirt into their home. Shake the dust off their feet because it's contaminated in some way. So can you see this? This is, this is a real good picture for the Jews. <laughs> we're leaving the Jews now and we're going to proclaim to the Gentiles and we shake the dust off because you've rejected what we have to say and we don't want that attitude to contaminate the attitude we have over here. Man, that's almost like a Yankee telling a Southerner, bless your heart. I don't know, I try to think of something that would be in the context today. But he, he turns it around on them. Paul was willing to walk away from his former ministry in order to fully devote himself to a new one. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to let go of our past in order to join God on his mission? And know this too. He didn't completely stop talking to the Jewish people. If he encountered a Jew, he told them the gospel of Jesus. But his focus now has become one as a mission to the Gentiles. Just as Paul transitioned his ministry from Jews to Gentiles, there are times that we should make changes in the nature of our ministry to best align ourselves with how God's moving. Again, Henry Blackaby said, find out where God's at work and join him there. Where's God leading you? Where's God leading Northside? I believe our greatest days are ahead of us. I believe God is moving. I believe God's at work. We just have to study, we have to pray, and align ourselves with how God is moving. And he may ask us to do things that we can't do so that he's the one that receives the glory when great things are accomplished pray Father this morning we talked about 
how you're at work, how you're going to move, I believe you're already at work. I believe you're already working in the hearts and lives of people here in this room right now. God, I believe you're working in the hearts and lives of people that are in our community, that are not part of the church. Father, it can be a daunting task. It can be a scary thing to leave what we know, to leave what's comfortable in order to pursue something that all we have is faith and trust in Jesus. Well, Lord, ultimately, that's all we have anyway. If we're believers, we have faith and trust in Jesus. But, Lord, that's enough. That's enough because you are enough. So, Lord, I don't know how you're leading this morning. I don't know if you're calling someone to, to join our church. We can talk about what that means. I don't know if you're calling someone uh, to a particular ministry, if you're uh, leading people to have that discussion about what that might look like in our, in our church. Um, but, Lord, I, I do know that your, your call is always for folks to turn in repentance to you. Before we, uh, before we talk about joining the church, before we talk about being on mission with you, we need to align our lives with you. And we have to repent from our sin in order to do that and be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here today that's never made that public profession of faith, they've never said, I am a believer in Jesus, I was a sinner, but I'm saved by Jesus' blood. If they've never made that public, that today would be the day of salvation, that you would reach down and the Holy Spirit would transform them from the inside out. That's the very first step into aligning ourselves with you, is to make sure that we are justified, that we are cleansed of our sin and our unrighteousness. So, Father, as you move right now, may we listen, may we respond in the most appropriate way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'd ask you to please stand. Our altar is open. If you want to pray or if you want to pray with me, I'm, I'm available. Or maybe it's something right in your chair right there that you need to address with the Lord. And so as he speaks, you listen, you respond. Let's sing. Aren't you glad you are in the house of God this morning? I mean, I love coming and worshiping with you guys, and just glad you show up every Sunday. Uh, pay attention to your to your bulletin. There are several things there which you uh, to be aware of. We begin our Awana classes tonight at 5:25, and like I said, there's a uh, Bible study, spiritual gifts at four o'clock. Uh, I call it a Bible study. It's really an assessment and and there's some interaction. I, you know, the, the Truman and Mark and I have been working to put this together. Love for you to be a part of that and, and come and come come back and, and join us. And then at uh, six o'clock, our normal Bible studies will begin as well. Yes. 
So come early for Awana. See, if you're here at 4 o'clock, you don't have to worry about that. You know, we'll get you out by 5. Uh, so make sure that you come early because tonight's registration. And so um, come on back for that. This Wednesday, we will, have a, uh, we, will, we will have a meal again this Wednesday. Make sure that you call the church office, okay? Uh, call the church office so we, know, so we know how many cuts of prime rib. I mean, so, so we know how to prepare. We know how to prepare for you. Uh, so um, I believe that is all. And Daniel, if you will close us out in a word of prayer. message that you portrayed through BJ and, and what you gave to him to say today. Thank you for the music um, Lord that the, uh, the choir did that uh, was sung by the praise bands. Thank you for everything Lord that this touches somebody's heart um, and that they'll turn and lift their eyes towards you. Lord be with us as we go through this week in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.